Repeat Space. I'm Simone Howell with Palette Life Sciences. Hopefully, you've had the chance to visit the Deflux Learning Center at deflux.com. But if you haven't, please do. Palette Life Sciences, sponsor of this Peed Space podcast series, is committed to bringing educational tools to pediatric urology and compelling conversations around VUR topics. Today, we hear from Dr. Bradley Morgenstern, Chief of Pediatric Urology at Children's Hospital of Georgia in Augusta. A few years ago, Dr. Morgenstern left his pediatric urology fellowship at Cohen Children's Medical Center of New York to start his own practice in Augusta, Georgia. In this episode, Dr. Morgenstern discusses some of the surprises and lessons he has learned in transitioning from fellowship to practice. Thank you for joining us, Dr. Morgenstern. We're excited to hear about the lessons you've learned from fellowship to practice. Tell us a little bit about your background to this point and what you're doing now. Sure. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, very excited to discuss this with you guys. I've had some interesting lessons that I've gone through and had an interesting path. And I and I have to share that with the community and hopefully can benefit some people new to practice and the, the fellows coming out. So I'd be happy to, to share that. I was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia. Did most of my undergrad and graduate school all up in the Northeast. I did my fellowship at Long Island Jewish under the direction of Louis Cavusi. And I stayed on for fellowship there under the direction of Lane Palmer. But throughout the whole process I'd always wanted to return down south to live my life and I was lucky enough to have a supportive wife which I think you know having supportive people in your in your life in, uh, on this whole adventure is one of the more important things to have that was willing to agree with me and I, I landed myself in a wonderful job here at the Children's Hospital of Georgia of Augusta University where we've been rocking and rolling and busy as can be it's been a great journey and a great path and I just share some of the things I've heard and done can we discuss your experience from being a student to running your own practice? So, you know, one of the bigger things that's just an interesting surprise is when you get into the OR and you have no one behind you, you have no one in front of you, you're the one that's leading the whole team. And it's one of those interesting transitions where you don't realize how much your attendings were helping you do until you have to recall everything on your own. With that being the case, I think a couple of things end up being very good to leave fellowship or keep in mind. Actually, I'll just say just to bring through with you through fellowship. One thing is when you're going to get back into one of those complex cases with a lot of different steps, you're going to forget them. Or you're going to have like three or four different methods because one attending would do it one way, one attending would do it another way. And you're now there trying to figure out what is your way, which is going to take time. So being patient with yourself is definitely one of those key things as well. But I think in fellowship, something that, that really helped me and I know it's helped a lot of other fellows is really taking good notes right after your case and really getting things outlined in those steps that are there. Another thing that, that is probably pretty good to do at the beginning of your career and even in fellowship is get in the habit of the night before of those complex cases. We're not talking circumcisions, but a complex hypophagus, augmentation you might find yourself in is to really kind of step back the night before and run through the steps in your head. It gets quite complicated when you're using different sutures and you get into a different hospital and they have different sutures than you had before. Maybe you had Ethicon before, now you got Covidian and now you have to think through all this stuff and you just never know what's going to come at you that first day, that first month, that first three months. So really having a good outline for yourself 
prior to going in and being as prepared as possible is one of the bigger things that I would say is important. Another thing that's important to have, and it was interesting for me, is having a really good mentor for you at your program. You know, we were we had one pediatric urologist that was here. He was not fellowship trained, but was a pediatric urologist and had a very different method than I had. And that being the case, sometimes it's hard to find that common ground. But having mentors that are there that can really have your back, even though they might not be in the room, gives you a little bit of a safety net that you might not have realized before. Now, be that being said, it's not very common to go out to your own practice these days, but if you did, use your mentors from fellowship. I often would find myself the first couple of years getting my mentor on the phone call and saying, hey, I'm here, I'm kind of stuck. What can you do? What moves can you help me do to help this go smoother? A couple other things that are really good that is going to become important, I think we're going to discuss this in a little bit, when you start going into your own practice, you have to code. And when you start really diving into the code, the nuances between, you know, picking one type of hypospadias repair distal with, with you know, an advancement is different than if you're going to do, you know, a proximal where you got to do multi-stages and just trying to figure out what you can build and what you can't. So really in fellowship, pick your mentor's brains and let them let them show you what they're doing with, with coding and how it works. Because it also becomes really important in your practice to make sure that your pre-authorizations are up to snuff and, and are clean. That way you don't have to go and say, hey, I, I changed this, 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 and this. If it's pre-auth, you can go ahead and build with it as long as that's what you're doing. Secondly, be honest with your coding. Not to say that anyone's going to be dishonest with it. It can be sometimes hard to pull apart the nuances. So if you can prepare for all that stuff and have good backing for yourself, I think that that becomes extremely beneficial because you're going to get to those places and not know where exactly to go through all these nuances because it's not always explicit exactly what you're doing. Sure, straightforward orchiopexy is an affecting the surf to surf there's a lot of different nuances that you might not have been aware of so if you can give yourself that leg up by you know preparing yourself outlines remembering what you want to do thinking over the night before and really getting that mentor in place one way or another as well as learning your coding i think that you're going to come in with a leg up to make this transition well that's interesting about getting information from your mentor but what about people now if you can't reach your mentor at the time of your surgery are there any people you can rely on in the hospital or in your practice now that can help you with coding questions so at my hospital we have a whole billing center so when you do your note you put in your codes and then they will go through and then they will check over your coding to make sure that it matches and then they will do your billing for you now not every practice is that way but a lot of them do even the larger private practices but i have a, a dedicated coder when i have a question about something or i make a change i send them the note and i might put a note into it hey look at this does this work is this consistent also you, you might find other people in the area especially if you've got ped surgeons there's some crossover with you and your ped surgeons right now me being the only one here i rely on my ped surgeons a lot so you know the chief of the pediatric hospital you know he does orchiopexy lap orchiopexy circumcisions and other things like that so some of the basic things you can go to them as well and they can the ped surgeons can be a real asset to you as well what are the things that most surprised you regarding the transition into your own office that's a very complex one and, and a lot of different parts to it. So let me try to, to not go too much of a rambling, which is what I like to do. I, I think one of the bigger things that surprised me is, you know, I went from the Northeast to the South and the patient population is extremely different. I went from a very high payer mix to more Medicaid and dealing with those patients that are at a different level than you're used to dealing with one way or another 
creates challenges that you're not necessarily thinking about. I'll give you an example. I represent the one public hospital in the state of Georgia. That being the case, I will get people from all over the state. And we also have some of our ped surgeons that go out to some places up to four to six hours away. And I didn't have that when I trained in New York with having so many people there. They're coming from right around the block the majority of the time. And that being the case, navigating the socioeconomic changes make a different challenge than I would have ever thought. Patient compliance is very different. Their expectations is different. So it really surprised me going from one environment to another, and you're, you're not really taught how to deal with a lot of these social situations and how to best handle them. You know, you're, you're going to have patients that you're going to schedule for surgery from four hours away based off of a picture that your ped surgeon sent you, and you're going to say, okay, we're going to arrange for you to get a logistic care, which is our car service, four hours up here. I'm going to see you this, the day before. I'm going to reserve you time in my OR. And we're going to get you the Ronald McDonald house and you're, you're going to have this all set up. And then they're going to call you a day of and be like, oh, well, they wouldn't give me a ride. And how do you navigate that with this patient that you set this all up for them and you push off other patients to do that when you also know that there's a ride that could have been had one way or another, had we known. Another thing to deal with is to not get wrapped up in, in what these patients do. It's very easy to, to get wrapped up in what your patients do and or say. And that being the case, you really got to just take every moment as that moment and, and keep on moving because you're going to have a lot of patients that are not going to necessarily be compliant and then they're going to call you having a problem and it's going to be frustrating because you're going to be saying well this is why i said to do that you can't get upset with them about it a lot of times they just don't quite understand and it takes i think a lot of time to get them through it so just being patient with yourself is is a big thing because they can really wear you down especially when you know you might be by yourself and you have to see 50 patients in a day and being able to get them all through that and understand that can be quite challenging so be patient with yourself about that. Do you have anyone in your hospital or your practice that can help you with those type of patient issues or who's organizing those details? That's a great question. I have a wonderful office staff where we try to keep everything, even though a lot of things are centralized in our hospital, I tried to develop a team where we're kind of trying to keep as much in our in-house as possible because there's so much nuances with pediatric urology and it's such a sensitive topic or even urology in general, that sometimes when you farm things out to your centralized results reporting, they might not pass along the information the way that you like to. So I have a great team. My scheduler works with all the patients to try to make sure that everything is arranged as humanly possible. I'm, I'm getting my second nurse practitioner to help with all the clinical things that are coming up because our volume's increasing, as well as a nurse navigator. So I think having a really good team like I have set up and developing that over time, they're going to be patient with yourself because that's one of the things you don't learn is how to be a manager. I've had to learn how to, to help people help me because we're so independent. We're so type A about things that sometimes we may not be seeing what we're doing to other people. And that's been a constant work in progress for myself. So really developing a team around yourself that works for you and your system is going to be extremely important for you to be able to take care of your patients. Now, have you learned that through the School of Hard Knocks or did you take some classes? School of Hard Knocks for me. Trying to find time when you're on your own is very hard to do. So it's just surrounding yourself by good people who are going to help you be the best you can. It's just very important and it takes time. Be patient with yourself and be patient with your staff because they're also going to be learning your style and you're learning your style and your style is going to change. And then you're going to change your mind on what your style is. 
And then they're going to have to see, but you said this the other times, like, yes, but this is why I'm going to do that. And just kind of, you know, moving with that ebb and flow and being patient with it is a very good tactic to have. And I guess that can go back to the mentorship discussion we had before. Having people to discuss that with that you trust and admire can be really beneficial in aiding you in that learning a school of hard knocks. But along those lines, is there anything else you wish in your fellowship you could have been taught about starting your own practice? I think there's a lot of courses that the SPU put on that I wish I had kind of taken advantage of about coding courses, et cetera. I think it's also easy in fellowship to kind of just get involved with, I'm doing the surgery, I'm learning the surgery. I think it's important for you to try to step outside of that and maybe do a little bit more shadowing than you thought you would have done. Otherwise, some fellowships, you know, you're really just doing bench research for one year and then you're just in the OR another year. Whereas other fellowships, I had a fortunate fellowship where I did some times where I ran my own patients. I think if you can run your own patients a little bit, it gave me a leg up for when I came in here and you're expected to hit the ground running. Another thing to make sure that when you're negotiating some of your first contracts is if you're on an RVU basis, a ramp up period is really good. So you can take some of the pressure off yourself of being overly productive when you're not quite sure what your production is going to be. So you can really learn it. That's going to help you as well. I think those are some of the key points that I'd say with that one. Is there anything you would have done differently from starting your fellowship to now? Anything I would have done differently. Yes, be more patient with myself and and realizing what's in my control and what's not in my control. I had the the fortunate benefit of having a really good mentor that taught me how the coding goes. So I I think that that's really important to do. But really being patient with myself and, and my results and being honest with it. The other thing that I wish I had a little bit more, and I do a little bit of this with my hypospadias, is keeping databases of your complication. Even if it's a, it's a short, small little Excel spreadsheet, because you're going to have a complication that keeps coming up and you're going to try to figure out what you did differently, but you might not remember what you changed per se. If you can be proactive on monitoring what you're doing, your, your complications that come up, then you can make incremental, educated moves rather than trying to keep on reinventing the wheel when you're coming into some issues you might be having with your technique. So I think keeping track of your ups and downs is a very good thing I wish I'd done a little bit more of rather than just going through the school of hard knocks. Now, some of that's going to be based off of what you have. And in my situation, I kind of just had to keep on going. In conclusion, are there any other watch outs or be sure to advice that you want to give our new listeners and their new practices? One watch out is to always make sure that your first contract is reviewed by a lawyer. Don't assume that everything you think is going to be in there is in there. I also think that running your contract by a mentor is good as well. You've never done that before. We're, we're coming out of this eggshell of just learning, learning, learning. And then all of a sudden you're on the, the ground running and not everyone is going to have your interest in mind. I'm not saying bad interest in mind or, or anything like that, but They don't know what you're looking for. So be straightforward, be honest, ask for what you're going to ask for and see what they come back with and see what you can negotiate. It's hard to know what pitfalls you're going to be having in an institution because it's really hard to know that institution. So maybe asking some people outside of that field, what have they struggled with, with getting a raise or promotion, or how does it work when you're going to be coming in and asking for a new position? Uh, what is a financial situation of the hospital? You might not even know where they're at with those things. So asking some of these, these questions that you might not have been thinking about may really help you avoid some of these, these pitfalls. And I, I, again, I'm going back to one of the biggest 
pitfalls is not preparing yourself and preparation is is really having good notes and a good good mind about what you're planning to do your next day i really think that that is an extremely important thing the last thing i'd say is know when to ask for help and don't be shy about it we we tend to be these stoic individuals that think we can handle anything and we're finally out there in the world trying to figure it out but ask for help. You know, at the beginning, uh, I would always, I called the peed surgeons. If I had a really hard hernia I was doing, I said, hey guys, can you come in? Don't be shy to do that. Don't think you have to carry everything on your back. You don't. Good hospital, you're going to be working as a team to take care of a patient population. And that's what we're here to do for. So, so don't be shy, ask for help. I just love that team concept and having people to help you in a supportive way. Are there anything that you think we can do for each other and that maybe Palette Life Sciences can do to implement helping mentorship groups or advice groups or question groups? Is there anything you think we could do as a team to make patient care better and give more support to emerging fellows who are starting their own practice? I think maybe an anonymous board, like a posting board, maybe, you know, because sometimes you get shy or embarrassed. You don't want to feel like, well, I should have learned this and I don't know this. So if you could go in and anonymously post your questions and people could be checking in on them and give their honest response anonymously, maybe that would help somebody feel like they, they're, they're not shy to ask a question and be feeling like I should have learned this. I should know this, but I don't know this or I forgot how this works. Is there any tips or tricks when you're doing this? I, am I missing any literature that I should know? And in just being able, because we, we have we have a whole sense of pride of, of the training, the years we've gone through, that we don't want to feel like we've missed something or shy about something. So maybe an anonymous post board would be great to have where people could come in or different experts can be in charge of certain areas to answer that board or something like that. Maybe it would be a good thing to have. I really like that idea and maybe we can do something soon to implement it. And hopefully we can talk to you again in the future and check in how things are going. I would love to do that. I'm always happy to help. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, I'm, I'm happy to, to discuss anything. And, and just remember, we're all here in the same boat. We're all here trying to take care of patients and figure out our lives and, and live our good lives and, and be better people. So let's just be better to each other and, and help each other out. Thanks so much, Dr. Morgenstern. You're very welcome. Thanks for listening this week on the Pete Space. And thank you, Dr. Morgenstern, for sharing your information with us. Please share this episode with your colleagues. And if you haven't already, subscribe to the Pete Space on Apple, Spotify, or Google Podcasts to be notified when a new episode is released. For more educational content and upcoming webinars, please visit the Deflux Learning Center at deflux.com and follow us on our social media accounts. Thank you.